This week's Cloudcast is brought to you by Momentum SI. Whether you want to migrate applications to the cloud, transform to enable DevOps, gain insight from big data, or accelerate your agile development, Momentum SI's strategy, consulting, and hands-on expertise can help you get there faster and with greater success. Check them out at MomentumSI.com. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to another episode of the Cloudcast. Uh, Aaron, joining us tonight. Good to, good to kind of have both of us on again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the both of us on a weeknight is actually getting to be a rare instance, so it's actually good to have both of us on. I know, we're getting back into a routine. I, uh, before, we, before we jump into our guests, we've got a, we've got a great guest tonight. I, uh, I got the craziest um, uh, sort of telemarketing thing this week. Uh, basically, some company, and I, I won't, I won't uh, reveal their name, but they basically said, hey, we're doing a webinar, and if you're interested uh, in sort of hosting one, uh, basically hosting a thing, we'll send pizza to your place. And, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder if I can just say that my house is where I'm hosting this webinar and just have them send pizza for lunch for me. And how many, like, is it just like one pizza? It didn't or say. Could you? Well, it didn't oh. say. Like, I could just have them send me lunch. So I thought that was kind of <laughs> cool and creative. Like, sometimes they do the movie theater thing now, but uh, they, they want to send you pizza. So huh. that was good. Well, anyways... Um, we might as well get started. Uh, tonight's guest is, a, is an old friend of the show. Um, uh, we're glad to have him back. It's been a little while since we talked to him. So uh, Matt Ellis, uh, founder and CEO of, uh, of the great company out in Portland, Oregon, Cloudability. Welcome aboard, Matt. Hey, it's good to be here. How are you doing? Good. We were, uh, we, we've been trying to get Matt on for a while. Uh, we, we always sort of go back and forth. We were talking about donuts uh, for the donut run, and, and Matt was kind of giving us his insight on, on voodoo donuts uh, out in Portland, the... Uh, Slightly, slight variant from Krispy Kreme. So, um, if, if yeah, the, out- the voodoo would be quality. The the Krispy Kreme would be quantity. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is what we came up with as the analysis here. So, Matt. Uh, so, welcome back. First and foremost, um, I think this is about the third time you've been on. Uh, it's usually about every six months or so. Um, what's what's the latest with Cloudability? You guys you guys keep growing. I can't kind of keep seeing new announcements. I know every morning uh, about uh, eight thirteen a day, I get uh, my notice from Cloudability that says, "Here's my my latest stats and my my costs." What else is uh, what's new for, with you guys? Yeah, and, and real quick too for the new listeners out there, just give everyone a couple sentences on on Cloudability in case they're not familiar as well. Right. Well, here we are in Portland, enjoying our extra hour of daylight rain, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, the cloud is growing fast, and we're, we're uh, running as hard as we can to keep up with it. It feels like um, I'm signing an offer letter every day right now. Uh, but uh, to keep the, to, to the short version, of what we do is we make sure you're making money from your cloud spending, and we do that by bringing it all together and uh, making you understand exactly what you're spending and how it relates to your your business's revenue. Yeah, so it's very cool stuff. It's uh, if you now I, I, I need to to dive into this a little bit because I know you guys have been evolving but basically if you're using public cloud services and you're not using tools like Cloudability to help you keep track of the cost and the spending and how to optimize it um, you're probably wasting money so uh, we'll sort of we'll pu- sort of plug that but we love having Matt on because he because of what you guys do because you work across so many clouds and you and you have financial insight and you 
understand, you know, how people are using things, you always have sort of much deeper insight than we ever can get from kind of what's out there publicly. So, so you know, Amazon. But it helps when you have a billion dollar crib sheet. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what do you guys? So uh, you guys always have tracked sort of how much you you you're sort of managing. You're sort of like a you're sort of like a mutual fund or a hedge fund. It's you know, uh, cloud under management. What are you up to now? Uh, it's just over nine hundred million dollars. Nice. So that's wow, that's, that's like of of active cloud spend, almost a billion dollars of active cloud spend that you're helping oh, yeah. people control. We, we think we're managing uh, for Amazon about fifteen percent of their of their spend of all their spending. Awesome. So, so that makes my my my. Uh, I think it's my Glacier account is up to like a dollar a month or something like that, and it is managed by CloudAbility. But it's glad to know I could help out with that. Well, you, you can save. You can sa- sleep safely in the idea that you're not going to wake up one day and get your monthly bill for twenty thousand bucks because you didn't set your password right. Exactly. So, you know, Amazon keeps growing. Um, Google's cloud is now out of beta. Uh, VMware's cloud is now out of beta. So you know, more and more players, what are you seeing, you know, what, what are the big trends that you guys are, are tracking or what's, you know, what's, what's really going on that, that maybe isn't as visible to, to the public for, you know, more than just Amazon? Well, what we're seeing, um, first of all, is that, I mean, the Amazon spend is, is, is going across more than just technology companies now. So until about a year ago, um, most of the people we talked to who were doing some significant spending uh, were technology companies. Well, they had a big technology component. Uh, now we're seeing people who are making real things and providing real services and moving people around the planet and things like this, um, uh, actually seriously looking at the cloud. And it's like um, they, they all say, we, we don't want to own and operate the hardware and software that doesn't make a difference to our business. There's these systems over here that are core, and we're not looking at them on the cloud, but everything else is up for it. Uh, the second trend that we're seeing is that these companies that are not all about one system. So when you think about the cloud, you think about people like Netflix. And it's like, you know, Netflix has got lots of systems, but it's one product, one service. Yep. And then you look at a very large public company, and they've got dozens, hundreds, or even thousands of services. And um, they're looking at uh, the cloud in a completely different way. They understand that once they move one of those systems onto, say, Amazon, that it's going to stay on Amazon. And they say that, but they've got another thousand systems to move. So they look on people like uh, Microsoft and Google and any other cloud as well. If they're ready, when we look at the next system, then we'll, we'll consider putting, uh, putting, putting using those. And there's a very promiscuous uh, view of this. You see, that it's not like they're going to go all Amazon or all Google, and they're very open-minded about it. And then the third thing that we're seeing is um, we're seeing a lot of usage patterns for these other clouds. Uh, and talking about them, the spending, that's exactly like we saw with Amazon when we started the business three or four years ago, which was the dabbling. It was, let's have a go, let's see what it's about. And people are uh, putting in our system, we're asking to put it in our system, because they, they, they understand they need to start looking at the unit cost economics. They're starting to go, how much does this cost me per user rather than per month? Um, and um, it's interesting because it, looks, it feels very much like 2008, 2009, 2010, for some of these clouds. But there is an interest in a few over the others. Um, there's a lot of talking about Google's cloud. Um, people seem to like the core products. Uh, they're excited about the RDS. They're wondering why Google have got this big and bigger all-day show the day before Amazon's first uh, summit in San Francisco on the 26th. And, um, and lots of interest in the other folk, uh, people like DigitalOcean and Azure. Very cool. Very cool. So... Are your are your customers? So you I mean you're, you're obviously talking about 
more industries. Um, are your customers getting smarter about the cloud, or are you, or you feel like the you know the pace that you guys are improving the tools is is sort of driving them to be smarter? Because obviously, if if you're seeing you know Amazon's growing, we kind of know about the pace they're growing. If you're starting to see the other ones grow, who's who's getting smarter? Are the tools getting smarter faster? Are are you are the customers smarter before they come to you? What's the what's the mindset out there? Yeah, well, we're definitely not seeing some of the noob mistakes that uh, even we ourselves did a few years back where you're just leaving stuff on needlessly. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's obvious. People are coming onto the cloud now before they've ever had a problem and go, well, how could I do X, Y, and Z? Um, so some of those noob mistakes are going away. But, um, yeah, the tools are getting a lot more complicated, um, a lot more sophisticated, rather. Um, I mean, even a tool like Puppet that used to have to stand up an instance in one tool and then use Puppet to provision it, you can now do that all in Puppet. And, and people are just starting to demand uh, more capable tools that can do the right thing from the beginning. And it's really interesting watching people get their head around that. In particular, watching engineers understand that they need to turn stuff off when they're not using it. That, that's, that has exceeded our predictions uh, in quite substantially. They're really getting the hang of making sure they're not wasting too much. Interesting. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, from a customer mindset point of view, like... What does a typical cloudability customer look like? Because obviously there's a, hey, I need to wrap my head around AWS, and then I have to get realize it's almost like the, you know you have to know what you don't know <laughs> kind of thing of, okay, I don't know how to do this. I need to go find a tool, right? And, and so that almost takes another level of user to be able to be you know aware of cloudability and use it. Um, and then there's the whole like reserved instances, spot instances, huh. you know, all this other stuff, right? <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about that process and like how does a beginning user versus an advanced user? Well, first of all, I mean, we ask people, are you comfortable um, uh, that you understand your spending on the cloud? And if they go, well, you know, yes, then you're either not spending enough or you don't know, <laughs> you haven't had a problem yet. Right. Sure. So, and, and in many ways, there's, 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 most people have to have at least a, a surprise, not necessarily a shock, before they really start to look at this. But even the folk, so the first wave is um, that bill was a bit spicy. I need to um, go talk to my boss. This is a bit more than we expected. But the second wave is uh, this bill is, is more than I expected, but hey, there's a very good reason for it. We looked at it and everything's under control and it's just growing. And then the third wave is, okay, you know, um, the, the, the unit price is like this. But the really interesting one that we're starting to see now is the fourth wave where you look at the cost per use and you find that there's some parts of your application that you're subsidizing and that therefore there are some customers who are not profitable. And we're seeing people start to tweak with their product offering so that everyone is profitable and that you're not subsidizing one particular activity over others. And that we're starting to see this data being joined into the product side of things, not just the technical side of things, where you say, well, we'll offer this product at $10 a month. It'll have these features. Well, actually, we're not comfortable with the margins there. We'll take this one feature out. We'll release an update to this feature to make it more, more acceptable in the cost. So we're starting to see people really use this kind of data to drive how they design their own product, which is a really interesting and, and quite an advanced development. So it's, <clears throat> so it's sort of... You know, if you were manufacturing something, there's there's people who 
you know, our geniuses at understanding like the cost of individual pieces of a, oh, yeah. a major, in essence, you're sort of seeing that from a digital perspective, you know, this, this feature, this, this sub feature costs more than something else. It drives more CPU cycles or it more database dips or whatever it is. You're seeing people are, are starting to get that much more granular with it. No, not, not quite there. I have a friend of mine in the UK. He spent seven years in university to become a materials engineer at Dyson. And we used to go to the pub when I lived there, and he'd come all pumped up that he'd dropped the price of copper brushes from 52 pence a unit to 48 pence a unit. And we're like, how long did you work on that? He says, oh, six weeks. And we're like, really? Four pence? But that's a 10% drop in the unit price. And no one's really looking at that level yet, uh, although some are trying to. What they're really doing is instead of saying, oh, you want a Camry with purple leather seats? Uh, Okay, that's another $2,000 option and still making money on that Camry. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay. and it really so so with this kind of public cloud, almost utility use space model, you, it, you're basically turning the application into the, a co- like a cost of manufacturing analysis, a digital cost of manufacturing right. analysis. Right. So if you take for example encrypting encoding a video, let's say on your Mac Pro it takes a day, 24 hours. Then on the cloud, do I put one computer on it for 24 hours? Do I put a larger computer on it for 12 hours? Do I put 24 on for one hour? To put 240 on for six minutes. It's like, it's all the same amount of compute. So you've got a different problem to solve there. It's like how many people are simultaneously encoding videos that I don't have any computers sitting around not encoding videos. Right. Now, if you want to have a video encoded in 30 seconds, are you willing to pay 10 bucks for that? Because if you are, I'm willing to fire up a bunch of computers for 10, for 30 seconds to go do that for you. Yeah. Now, now I know. I, I remember you and I were talking at some point. I think maybe we were we were out in Colorado or something. We were waiting in line for dinner, and you were talking. I know. I mean, you guys obviously have a, a huge presence with the public clouds. What's the What's the interest from from in on premise stuff? Are you guys Are you talking to people about trying to help them understand those costs on premise? Is that something where you're going? What's where, Where's that side of the market for cloudability? Where we add, where we're focused on, is helping you get your head around things that change a lot and quickly. So, so if you are building a private cloud and you're trying to do chargeback internally, there's some folk out there that are doing a great job on that right now for OpenStack and CloudStack. Uh, and and we're not really in that funny money game where you're splitting up the pie into a thousand pieces instead of a hundred. Um, where we do have folk talking to us is in two areas, and it's very very nascent. Um, one is, um, I want to know how much my on-prem would cost on the cloud if I moved it there. Yep. And that's a ah, much harder okay. job than it looks. Yep. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. these two things are not the same. Was it sissy, nespal, and peep? You know, it's like um, y- y- you can look at a, a server in your colo and you can look at what you think is an equivalent unit on the cloud and it's 10% less I.O. and your system's going to flail on it. You know, it, so it's really hard to do that. And we're studying ways to look at our network of folk to look at the actual workload on it. So this is a MySQL box. It's handling this many queries every hour. It has this backlog, this many slow running. Okay, now we know these two things are the same. But, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and this is to help people understand their budgets. Because one thing we're hearing, which is really interesting, is people are having trouble spending their budgets if they've got a big budget. So these bigger companies that are moving lots of, projects on they're hitting learning difficulties that the, the, the what's it called the, the learning curve is is taking it's taking longer than they think to get through that so now they're getting beaten up by finance for not spending enough 
And we can help them to a degree with reserved instance purchases on that. But largely it's because they just didn't, they weren't sure how much it was going to cost to move this system onto the cloud. So we're, we're working hard at that problem. But um, we're also looking at how we could help people um, amortize. So if you had a $30 million system over three years um, and you're going to pop it into um, company X and charge them $0.08 cents an hour, or should it be $0.08, cents, $0.07, cents, $0.09? Cents? And our systems lend themselves very nicely to kind of modeling that, where you can kind of turn 12 dials and watch a curve change. Um, but in both cases, these requests are nothing like what they are for we want more detailed analytics of our public cloud use, or we want to be able to do a better job of predicting our RI usage out six months or twelve months instead of three months. Yeah. Now, now, do you think you do you think you see that problem where people say they can't spend enough or they're not spending enough because in their in their private environment, you know, they've they've always historically over provisioned, over provisioned, over provisioned, built redundancy in. Because they, you know, they, they they didn't want to worry about getting called at, eight, at you know at two in the morning on a Saturday, right. or they didn't want the. I mean, it, you think that's part of it, or do you think it's just people don't really have a sense? You know, I, I've done some of these modelings, and they're they're a bitch. I mean, they're really complicated. And then you start asking, well, okay, I can get the database guy to kind of model what he does, but he doesn't right. really know what storage IOPS look like. Yeah, or, and it's a guess. There's no real yeah, data. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no. This is only because they're they're, getting, they're moving systems onto the cloud slower than they planned. Okay. It's just there's not enough people out there. If hey, listen up, chaps. If you're good at DevOps, you're good at at scalable software. Get yourself over to a company trying to move on the cloud because they really need you. I mean, there's a massive shortage of folk who are just expert in this area or have had any experience in this area, and um, it's their biggest problem. I mean, we saw one company who shall remain nameless uh, go to a major trade event and set up a um, a giant party um, just to hire engineers. They weren't exhibiting their own stuff. And uh, the goal was to hire 60 engineers wow. who had cloud experience. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. you look at those graphs of people advertising jobs of a certain kind. I think, I think you, might, you must already, I haven't looked at it recently, but I think you're going to see a very strong uptick in cloud because some very large employers are saying, we've got to get better at this cloud thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that, makes, that makes total sense because it's, I, I mean, especially when you, when you consider that probably a lot of, no, let me, let me ask this. I, I'm making this assumption, but I assume... You know, like if you were to say your customer, is your customer sort of fit that model of its its lines of businesses? It's not necessarily sort of traditional IT folks, or are you seeing a, a, a broader mix of kind of IT driving things and the lines of business driving things to the cloud? It's kind of peculiar, and we're still kind of I don't I don't think we come to an opinion on what's actually happening. But um, you know, sometimes it works well for us when we're introduced to a person who has been appointed by a CXO as head of this cloud stuff. And that can be the VP of cloud service delivery, it could be the CIO, it could be the CTO, it could be some some dude. And their job is usually to help all the other departments do more cloud. Occasionally we're put into a room with 20 guys by the CFO and they're like, this is all, they all agree this is a good thing, but no one wants to take the lead on this. And, and that's when some IT guys who are, more forward thinking than the others will pick this up and uh, and run with it. Um, but sometimes you just like you're dealing with the business and the internal service providers are hating the fact that the chargeback money they should be getting for their data center is actually going out the door to Amazon. Hmm. And then you have a really interesting dynamic because there's some folk out there who really believe that doing it in house is going to result in a better, cheaper service that's overall better for the company. 
And it's an interesting discussion to have with someone who says that they can do this better and cheaper than Google and Amazon. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, especially, especially when you talk about the, the length of your learning curve. It's, uh, yeah. it's hard to fathom that individual companies can, can learn that fast. So. We, we like, we like yeah. to share a story about the first electric railway in the world, which was the London Underground, fun enough, built by um, the American firm Westinghouse. And they built what at the time was the largest um, power station in Europe. Because, of course, generating your own electricity is cheaper than buying it from the grid, right? But it turned out that pretty soon they couldn't compete with buying electricity from the grid because the people on the grid could sell that electricity to homes and offices when the trains weren't being used. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it's interesting having this discussion with folk who really feel that, that they can compete with Amazon and Google and Microsoft and DigitalOcean and all these other guys and do it better. And we're like, well, maybe you should go off and run a cloud then. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. What is the biggest – so I'm, I'm going to describe it, two of them. Do, you, do you, the customers kind of getting hooked, if you will, on cloudability? Does it tend to be a light bulb moment of, hey, this really solves a, you know, a, a problem or, or something I maybe didn't know I had? Or is it an oh, crap moment of, hey, I just got this really, really expensive bill and I need to not do this again? You know, one is more proactive versus reactive, right? We've seen that latter one less and less and less. Most companies now are saying, um, we've heard about this cloud, we've read about it, we get it, or we've got some guys in the company who've done a successful experiment and they're really lobbying for us to do more of it. Um, But we're not going to move a muscle. We're not going to enable our whole company to use this until we have financial, legal, and security control. So let's look at that first. And we're usually involved in that discussion and help advise. And and then they put some people and processes in place and they're not trying to make it perfect. They know that there's going to be some changes. And then they get going on that basis and they look at it like they're deploying an application to their uh, systems. And they absolutely want to avoid the the conflict and the um, wasted time that BYOD brought. So all these guys who turned up with their Palm Pilots and then their iPacks and then their iPhones who beat up IT saying, I want to make this work with my desktop. And there was all this kind of pushback and finally the business overrode them. There's a real, seems to be a real collective will to avoid that kind of way of coming at the problem this time. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It's like they've learned their lesson from BYOD that it's just not productive for anybody to go through that kind of, you know, cat and mouse game. Sure. Now we've we've been talking to some other folks on the the podcast lately about the idea of almost like infrastructure as a service plus of services above and beyond just your basic you know spinning up an instance um, right. and and is that where you're you're seeing a lot of traction and growth or or, or is it still people are just trying still trying to figure out how to consume the base platform. We, we have a blind spot there in that um, we deal with your most pressing and urgent and, and high-value problems. So we, we see a hint of it in the variety of our services and the split and the graph that show when we look at this internally, the graph has a lot more colors in it, which means there's a lot more services being used. Um, but we, hear, we see things when they kind of get above a certain level. Folks mm. tend not to track stuff at 10 or 100 bucks a month. They're much keener to track it at 1,000 or 10,000 a month. So, um, you know, this movement towards services isn't surprising. It's something we've been talking about for years. You know, when Toyota started buying parts for their cars, when they were going overseas, they were buying raw materials. They were buying metal and 
paint and stuff and they end up buying engines and clutches and seats um, and we just see this as inevitable that infrastructure plus what isn't that called pass or sas right <laughs> you know i mean exactly. it's like you know we, we use rds we don't run our own mysql database servers because we think that um uh, now after five years um amazon can can tune a mysql server on the cloud better than we can and um, you know, you can build a better MySQL server using bare metal, but we'd rather engineer our software not to need that. Mm. So, you know, as this progresses, we, we just see these things as kind of inevitable. And the only question for us is whether it gets labeled as PaaS or SaaS, or whether these big infrastructure vendors start offering all these different services. And it's just, hey, I can buy a compute node and I can buy an email service. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of ask one last question because uh, you're a busy man. You've got a, you've got a company to run. Um, Better so get my family. you, you got to go get to your kids. That's right. Um, so this is, this is more of a kind of a, uh, a guesstimate, I guess, on your part, but you're a, you're a financial guy, so I'll ask. What do you think are the – so you know, Amazon's got a ton of services. They roll out new ones. Azure is doing the same thing. Google, you know, yeah. VMware, everybody. Where, where do you think their biggest margins are? Like where are the, where are the margins in the public cloud and and you know where do you, are you seeing that shifting? Do you, do you have any sense of that? I would hate to comment on this in case I make some really dumb statement that you'll dig up in a year <laughs> or five years when we get to see inside all of this. You know, um, you know from what we hear anecdotally is that um, you know there are things that happen in these cloud vendors where they have pallets of equipment on the floor in the data center and then they will crack open it and they'll only pay for the equipment once it's deployed into the rack. So there's no order lead time, but they don't pay for that order lead time and things like this. So that means that there probably isn't a lot of margin anywhere. And put another way, you can grow your business much faster if you can waste less money on unused equipment. So I would imagine that... um, uh, for the vendors who are running a business with real customers paying lots of money, and I'm thinking about Amazon, DigitalOcean, Profit Bricks, Cloud Sigma, um, uh, Green Cloud, people like that, mm-hmm. that it's it's a growth function for them that they they have the least amount of waste and and least amount of kind of um, easy use there. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that there's not much margin anywhere that it's negative and they're just trying to grow as fast as they can. Um, if I was to pick something, I would say that it would be the services and not the servers. I think that it's much easier, much more headline-grabbing to cut your CPU, your memory, your disk prices than to cut, say, your Elastic Map reduce prices. Right, right. Because well, and, you know, There's already a natural Moore's Law that's making that happen anyways. Right, but as in I'm paying for something plus on the EMR yeah. or for the RDS. So, like, right now we're seeing customers start to turn. They've, they've got RIs kind of understood. Now they're turning to RIs for RDS and and prepayments for CloudFront and things like that. Yep. So I think that's the next barrier is where, where we see people talking to us about how they do prepayments and get the price down there. To me, there must be some kind of margin thing there. Very cool. Well, listen, uh, Matt. As always, it's uh, it's it's kind of great to get your insight, and and obviously the insight that that you're able to share from you know what you guys see with your growth, and uh, always good to have you on. Uh, always good to, to chit chat with you off off the record and <laughs> see what's going on out, out in that space. Um, what's you know where can people find sort of the latest with cloudability? Like where are you guys? What events are you going to be out at? Uh, where can people come buy you a beer if they run into you if they run into you live? Well, we're going to be at um, the various Amazon summits. 
um, in San Francisco uh, on March 26th, in Sydney on April 9th, uh, then uh, UK, London on April 29th, and in uh, New York, I think that one is in July 13th. So uh, we'd love to see you come by, say hi. And if you're in Portland, um, then um, we have a happy hour on the last Friday of each month. Cool. That works. All right. Uh, well, uh, Aaron, you want to you take us out? Yeah, absolutely. So if you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everyone.